Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend in Fuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hello. The show's namesake, BJ Shea. He's right over there. Hi, everybody. And running the boards is Joey D. Hello. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about board games, board games that are coming up, including we're going to have Ryan Dancy from AEG talking about the Big Game Night Kickstarter. Hey, I know that guy. Yeah, and BJ's going to be talking about a board game that he's been playing because, well, you play board games. I kind of do. And of course, the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, how can people get a hold of us? Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknation.com. It's going to have our blogs, podcasts, and more. More. Or just search for BJ Shea's Geek Nation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, and the Odyssey app. Exactly. And today's a very exciting day. We've got a special guest, and BJ, I don't want to keep him waiting. With us today, it seems, uh, BJ, you kind of know our next guest a little bit here. Well, I don't know if he wants to admit it, but it's true, Rev. Uh, (laughs) I I actually know people that are somebodies in this fine gaming industry, and uh, Ryan Dancy is definitely a somebody who's brought a lot of fun and goodness to the world of gaming. That's a fact. Wow. I'm like <laughs> a small somebody. Well, you are the chief operating officer at Alderac Entertainment Group, and AEG has the big game night out on Kickstarter right now. And it's very important for people to know if this is something that's going to interest you, pause this podcast, go to the Kickstarter, because it's running out of time. You have until Friday, July the 2nd to pick this up. And uh, tell us a little bit about what Big Game Night is. Yeah, Big Game Night began as a promotion that we do at Gen Con every year. And it, out, it grew out of a desire that the company had to create an opportunity to just play games. Uh, there's this weird thing that happens at Gen Con where people go and they're super busy. They go to the exhibit hall. They go to panels. They're, they're just engaged in all kinds of things. And they come home and they say, I didn't play any games while I was at Gen Con. Wow. So we created this, this evening of gaming. Uh, it usually runs on Friday and it's four hours. It starts at 8 o'clock and it goes till midnight. And it's just about gaming at Gen Con with your friends. Uh, it's a ticketed event, and the people that buy a ticket receive a package of games that are usually releasing at Gen Con for the first time. And then we have a library of other games that we make they can play, and we've got people there that help teach the games. And we do some playtesting and prototyping of things that are not released yet, so people can kind of get a sneak peek of the future. But this year, it was very unclear if there would be a Gen Con or not, and if there was going to be a Gen Con, how it would work, and if we could do big game night at all. So what we decided to do was to hedge our bets and plan to do a big game night at Gen Con and plan to do a Kickstarter that would feature the games that we would normally have at the big game night event. So worst case scenario, there was no Gen Con and we just had a Kickstarter. Best case scenario, there is a Gen Con with a big game night, and there's a Kickstarter for big game night. And that's what has happened. We're going to end up doing both. Awesome. That's amazing. So you're really catering towards the people who may want to be able, who actually are able to go to Gen Con or uh, would love to, but maybe just can't do it this year. Yes, exactly. So we're hoping that we'll be able to do some live streaming and some other stuff from the show so that the backers of the Kickstarter can have more of the full big game night experience. But even if we can't do that, they're going to get the games. They're going to get a lot of love from the company. It's a really good deal. 
Um, and we, you know, we view big game night as not only just an opportunity to play games, but as a marketing opportunity. So this is just a chance for us to get these games into the hands of a bunch of gamers just before they go to retail. And that's just a way to build awareness and excitement about the new product. So if you're interested in these two games, Whirling Witchcraft and 10, this is probably the best chance you'll ever have to get them at these prices. So it's a really good deal. Yeah, it's like 40 bucks plus shipping and not only those two games, but you're putting a bonus in there. Yeah. Ryan, I can't tell you the last time I spent 40 bucks for just one game. I, right. I don't I don't know what. <laughs> I mean, so right, that, right. So that can you tell us a little bit about Whirling Witchcraft in 10 because I I'll, I'll be honest with you, I uh, until this Kickstarter, I didn't really know a lot about those games. Yeah, it's the, the last 18 months uh, as we all know have been really challenging for publishers in terms of telling people about new games and, and getting people interested in the new stuff. So now we're starting to come out of pandemic and we're moving back into the new normal. Um, so hopefully we won't have to kind of bootstrap these things the way we have been for the last year or so. But here at the kind of end of this crazy time, we have, we have to do some creative stuff to get the word out. So Whirling Witchcraft and 10 are the two featured games at Big Game Night, and they're the two games you'll get if you back the Kickstarter. Whirling Witchcraft is uh, designed by Eric Sundin. It's a game that we were pitched at Essenspiel two years ago. It is an engine-building game. Um, it's what I jokingly call a cube conversion game. You know, you're converting blue cubes to green cubes to silver cubes. <laughs> okay, the way I like this it, so far. <laughs> I know. I know you will. <laughs> the, the objective of the game is to overload your opponents with resources. So as you play, you're a wizard, uh, and you have recipes that allow you to convert cubes. And the cubes, you know, they're spiders and frogs and, and you know, ingredients for potions, right? Nice. So you, you are going to build a tableau of recipes. On your turn, you're going to be given a cauldron full of ingredients from the person on your right, or left, I don't remember, one side of you. <laughs> and those ingredients are going to go through the recipes and generate a bunch more ingredients. But the output goes into the cauldron and you give it to the person on the opposite side of you. So what you're trying to do is flood the zone with components they can't use. And they have a little storage area. And when the storage area fills up, they give you back any ingredients they couldn't put in their storage. And the first player that gets five ingredients back is the winner. Oh. So, yes. So what happens is you are optimizing your tableau for the ingredients that you're getting receiving. And you're strategically trying to figure out how to break your downstream opponent's engine so they can't process all the stuff that you're giving them. <laughs> so the game is super fast. Uh, wow. you can, the whole game plays in like 20 minutes or so. It's, it's really quick. Um, there's a lot of cool things you get to do as you, as you go through the turns, you're going to be gaining, you know, wizardry power that's going to allow you to affect the way your potions work and you get some special abilities depending on where you are in the game. Oh, I it's, like that. It's not a, it's not a complicated game to play, but it is a super fun game to play. And it, it's essentially a giant take that game. Like, <laughs> stop, stop doing this thing yeah. to me, Oh, please. boy. No more spiders. It, you know, yeah, it sounds very aggressive, aggressive sharing kind of uh, comes to mind. 
Yes. Now, exactly. yeah, now I know why our buddy Sean from Thing 12 Games himself and my nemesis backed this game so oh, quickly yeah. because he yeah. loves Take yeah. That games. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the second game is called 10. And 10 is designed by the team at Flat Out that did Point Salad and Truffle Shuffle. And uh, <laughs> the Point Salad I love. Right. The game with 121 ways to win. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So uh, 10 is a, a set collection game. Uh, in 10, you are going to get cards that have the numbers from 1 to 9 on them. Uh, and there's some wild cards. And there's some cards to generate resources. Um, the way the game works is that you are going to uh, have a push your luck mechanic where you're going to be drawing cards out of a deck until you decide to either stand or you bust. And you bust based on a couple of conditions. Does the total of the numbers exceed a certain threshold or does the total of the resource generating cards that get dealt, dealt out exceed a certain uh, threshold? When you bust or when you stop uh, taking cards, the cards that are drawn from the deck go into an auction. And then you use the resources that you've generated to bid on the cards in the, in the auction tableau. And the game is about basically trying to assemble runs of cards, you know, runs being cards with incrementing numbers. The, the ultimate run, of course, is one to nine. But you could have a run that was you know, just seven, eight, and nine. And the longer the run, the more points you score. So it's, uh, it's a fast-paced game, and it has that push-your-luck mechanic where you, you want to take more cards because there's certain upsides to having more cards come off the deck. But if you bust, it's very painful. But the risk of busting is, like, correctly balanced so that you're always on that knife edge of, oh, I don't know if I should take another card or not, which is where yeah. you know, all push-your-luck games really <laughs> thrive. When you... When you can't figure out what the right decision to make is, that's where a push or let game it really lives. Uh, and in this game, that happens over and over and over and over again. And so these are the these are the two games uh, that are on AEG's Big Game Night Kickstarter right now: Whirling Witchcraft and Ten. And you know, th th this I don't know for some maybe this is the first Kickstarter you'll consider because you know buying board games people are used to maybe going you know whether it be online or going to their friendly local game store. Kickstarter is something that people go I don't know if I trust. Even though, you know, uh, you're on Kickstarter, but Ryan, AEG, I mean, Mystic Veil, Edge of Darkness, Space yeah. Base, I mean, The Captain is Dead. I mean, so many great <laughs> games and a ton of them in my collection. Uh, you know, you guys have been doing games for 20 years, uh, long before Kickstarter was around. Uh, what are you telling people about, you know, who might be a little skittish uh, going into Kickstarter? What should they look for? I mean, for me, I look like, well, the pedigree of the company, which, of course, AEG has. What are you telling people when people go, I don't know, should I tr back anything on Kickstarter? How, you know, why should I get into this? I mean, I, I think that Kickstarter in general has really transformed our industry. And there are lots of games that are available now that probably couldn't exist if it wasn't for Kickstarter. So, you know, I, I just, I'm a huge Kickstarter fan. I back a lot of Kickstarters. Um, if you're looking at a Kickstarter and you haven't been a Kickstarter backer in the past, I totally agree with you, BJ. You want to look at the pedigree of the company. You want to work with, you know, you want to back a project from a company that's been around for a certain amount of time that's delivered a certain number of projects uh, successfully on Kickstarter. Um, I also, I love to look at the reviews and the, and the influencer uh, content. Um, there's some great uh, cool videos out there right now for uh, both for 10 and for Whirling Witchcraft. I just actually watched a couple last night that Man vs. Meeple did. 
Oh, yeah, I those guys are good. Can, those guys are good. <laughs> yeah, they are. I think if you get a sense of the game being complete and and kind of ready to go to press or, or reasonably ready to go to press, those are the things that can reduce the risk. Generally speaking, I have to say, board gaming Kickstarters are really, really safe. Uh, I've backed over 100 Kickstarters, and by far the biggest – risks or the biggest failures I've had have all been in categories not gaming. Um, my gaming Kickstarters, I, I, don't, I can't remember a single one that I haven't received. So I, I don't think it's actually very risky anymore to, to back a gaming Kickstarter. And there's so much good stuff on Kickstarter, it would be a shame not to take advantage of it. Well, you don't have to tell me twice, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know. <laughs> that's for sure. Well, yeah, it's like BJ is always going to be getting in on this. And I yeah. love the fact, I mean, with all of these, it seems like, especially with uh, Big Game Night, AEG is really pushing towards the let's get as many games in as possible because you said these are both pretty fast-paced games. So you want to yeah. be able to play and then continue to keep playing, but maybe also switch it up so you can go back and forth or play some of the other games that have been introduced through Big Game Night. Yeah, that's right. There, there's always a time for a for a Twilight Imperium all day marathon <laughs> session, but sometimes you just want yeah. to bang out a, a 20 minute, 30 minute game and then play it again or play something else. Yeah, because you, you know you're waiting on people. Like if you you know for, uh, here in Seattle, of course, and I've I've, I've got the good fortune that Ryan lives in the area too. So every once in a while, he and I can get together and game. You you've got people coming in, dropping in, coming if you if you're meeting at a game store like our, our buddies at Zulu's, everyone's dropping in, and you really need to go. Okay, look, we got he's an hour out. Do, do we can we do we have a game that we can play that would take an hour? Uh, because sometimes we don't even know. Like we'll go, oh, this game says on the box it take X amount of minutes, but you look at it and go like uh, Ryan and I recently played. Uh, Yido, which is a, a great re-release of that classic game, but that yeah. game took a lot longer than we expected, and uh, of course, a lot of it has to do with with maybe the people. Okay, me, uh, but yeah. still, how much did you how much did you argue, BJ? Well, you know, he, there was, may on, have been he was on his best behavior. In the Aww. Game. Yeah. <laughs> so I love having I love having these games that are shorter, quicker, fun, and also sometimes when people are coming from work, they don't need to be into it like right off the bat into a deep game that's going to require yeah. like burning their brain. That's what fun games like Whirling Witchcraft and Ten I just love. Point Salad is a great game for that, where you know you can sit down, you have a lot of laughs, you have a beverage, and then maybe you're ready for you know the insanity that we might get into that will take out. <laughs> yeah. and, and you know, Point Point Salad worked exactly as we hoped. It was a it was a big game night release, and we got it into the hands of enough people at big game night that it it was able to kind of catch some momentum and start to raise awareness. And now it's one of our best selling games in in retail stores. Uh, you know, it's it's a situation where in this market there's so many games, they're so good now. We're truly in a golden age of gaming. That you, in order to break through the clutter and, and raise visibility, you have to you have to get a little spark. So, you know, we really hope that Whirling Witchcraft and Ten are the next point salad, and and that they transition out of the Kickstarter and the and the big game night event at Gen Con, and they go on to have a long and successful career in retail. Well, there's an importance to them, Ryan, because they also bring in folks that might not be heavy gamers or folks yeah. that might go, I've heard about this board gaming thing. I, all right, let me give it a try. It could be fun. And, you know, for me, I like to consider myself like a, more of a host than a gamer when it comes to things like this. And when you throw a party, it's so important to have the right stuff at the party. Like, you know, whether it be the foods, the beverages, whatever. And when it comes to gaming and you are gaming with a bunch of people, 
it is important to have the right games. And these kind of games are super important because they will play deeper games as long as the first game they ever played was enjoyable. And these games like, you know, like Whirling Witchcraft and 10 Sound Like are games that are going to have some strategy. They're, you know, they're going to be a little deeper than your average, you know, Uno game. But at the same time, they're not going to dissuade somebody and people aren't going to get overly serious where it's like, I thought this was supposed to be fun, but this is just a grind. Uh, it's right. so important to have games like that, the big game night games uh, that are released. And I love that you guys do that as well as do deeper games. I mean, you guys really are very well-rounded. Yeah, we, we like to have games in a broad portfolio. That is, that is one of our you know, objectives as a publisher. Uh, for, for, the, for the exact reason you just said, a lighter weight game helps to broaden our market and introduce people to what we do. And the heavier weight games are a deep, fulfilling long-term strategic thing that you do once you're once you're ready to tackle it exactly yeah go definitely ahead. man yeah you're right rev you go ahead rev you do it <laughs> do it buddy well and i just i want to impress on people that this is a very limited time to get this amazing deal right now on the kickstarter you yeah. got to go right now uh aeg's big game night is on kickstarter right now only through friday july 2nd and even then there's still a limited amount of uh, uh people who can get this and that right. number is decreasing by the hour i've been watching it and yeah. uh, a lot of people are picking up on this as it gets closer and closer to that date. 40 bucks for yep. two games plus a bonus and shipping is insane, especially I mean, Ryan, you guys know, I mean, you, you know better than anybody. I don't know if the average person knows just how difficult and expensive trying to make a game, ship a game, get a game has become due to the, due to the last year and everything. Oh, I mean, yeah. my gosh, it's insane. Uh, yeah. So $40 is just, well, I, I honestly, I think maybe someone need to talk to the financial people. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> are you okay? Did, did something happen that I don't know about since last time I saw you? That seems like uh, everything must go. It seems like you're losing money on this deal, Ryan, but all right. <laughs> you know what you're doing. We're providing a service. Ah, there exactly, we go. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's a good call. I like that. We're for the uh, people. Yeah, AEG is a great company with good people, and uh, you know I would definitely encourage people to, ch to check this Kickstarter out. Ryan, so good to have you on, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to be here. Again, right now, check it out. Big Game Night on Kickstarter up until the end of the week. You have a very limited amount of time. It doesn't mean that if you listen to this later, you won't be able to pick it up, because a lot of the times you'll be able to pick up these games later on. But right now, this is an amazing deal that you don't want to miss out on. Yeah, the price will not be like this. No, I mean, no. And you know, and, you know, again, <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna have to really, I mean, I'm gonna have to make sure he's okay. I just that that forty bucks for both those games. Uh, I think they're fine. They make all lots right. of really good games that are already all selling right. amazingly. You mentioned yeah. stuff like Mystic Veil vale and so much more. So I don't think they're gonna have a problem there. But you also you mentioned a game during that interview. Uh, what was that called? It's called Yido. It's an old yeah. game that's been redone. Um, and like Y-E-D-O, which I guess was what oh. um, Tokyo used to be called back in the day. Oh. In the 17th century, or Edo, maybe I don't know. I, I, I'm not. They, they say that's the name of uh, Tokyo. Y e d o. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Sometimes I've seen it called just Edo. But uh, yeah, back before Tokyo was called Tokyo, it was called either Edo or Yido. 
And this is where this game is uh, taking place, 17th century Japan. Uh, and uh, guess what, man? Uh, we've got a new Shogun ruling the joint. Oh. And we, uh, guess what we're trying to do? We're trying to impress the Shogun as these daimyos, which are kind of like we're the mayors of certain areas. And, you know, we've got our, we've got our own workers in this uh, wonderful worker placement game. Uh, and uh, what we're trying to do is take our disciples and run them around the run them around the city of Yido to make sure that they get things done for us in order to complete missions to gain favor with the Shogun. Though one of the missions is actually killing the Shogun. So really, no. I, mean, I mean, if you want to, you can go. There's one way to gain favor with the Shogun: yeah. get them out of the way. Yeah, and get one in there that uh, you already like. <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, so it is a redo of an old game. They've updated it in a lot of ways with the artwork and also with modules, which will give it even more variability, uh, variety and variability, I should say. And um, it, that's the thing with games is sometimes some games are really good 20, 30 years ago. But then, you know, we've upped our game. Uh, in oh, the gaming yeah. world. Uh, and so the good folks at Board and Dice who have put out some really, really good games, they're known for the tea games that are very hard to pronounce, like uh, Tawanakanu and Trismegistus. And they've Whoa. got, a, they literally have three or four tea games, and that's becoming their thing. Uh, David Turksey has done a lot of games for them. Uh, and Board and Dice is, uh, is slowly but surely becoming. An, uh, for me, a legitimate game company where I'm like, okay, I will back the stuff they put on Kickstarter, as we spoke with Ryan about having a pedigree. Board and Dice puts out some really good, but they're heavyweight games. Uh, and this is a worker placement game that also has some bidding involved in order for you to be able to get the stuff that you maybe would have to pay more if you placed your worker later. But then the bidding is kind of fun as you're bidding for action cards, you're bidding for mission cards, you might be bidding uh, you know, for, for different people that you might need, like buildings or geishas. And all these things really fulfill the recipes of your mission. And, uh, and once you get everything your mission requires, then you complete your mission and, of course, get prestige points. And those are victory points, which will help you win the game. The artwork is really beautiful. Uh, the board is both is double-sided so that if it seems too busy on one side to figure out what you want to do, you can flip it over to the whiter side, which uh, will show you better. But really, the, the colorful side is so pretty. I mean, it's, you, know, you just think of <laughs> 17 Japan and the art that can go along with that. Um, very well done game. Can be a little long, uh, depending upon how you play it. Uh, and also, there's that you can design the kind of game you want to play. Do you want it to be take that, or do you want it to be friendly? You get to with the different cards you can add or remove from the game that makes it different every time. And uh, and like I said, man, the artwork is pretty. I like it a lot. I I can't wait to play it again. And it plays up to five players if you have the uh, expansion that I have. Otherwise, if um, yeah, well, I know it actually no. It's like the the big box set that I have. The master set does play five. So. Don't know if you can get the master set outside of Kickstarter, but it's worth a try. If not, they may have a regular set for you, board and dice games. And uh, it is uh, right now you can buy a copy on eBay for, oh my. A lot? 225 bucks. Whoa! Okay. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a pretty awesome game then. Apparently uh, it's slightly popular. Well, Geek Market has it for ninety-five bucks. Uh, if you can find it on Geek Market or, or Board Game Geek, so maybe you can find it there. That's the English edition too. Nice. It's you know, I mean, yeah, I think two twenty-five is a lot, but ninety-five is definitely fair because this is a huge box with uh. Uh, with really cool components. And um, yeah, I, I I think it's well done. And you know, for me, it's not a space game, so you know, I love to add anything to my collection <laughs> to to give me some variety. It's called Yido by Board and Dice Games. Awesome, perfect. And now it is time for. The Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, what's going on? 
So this is an article I've had in the archives, and I keep forgetting to bring it up when BJ is on here because I want him to hear about this. Ooh. Oh, boy. I have posted this, you know, a few weeks back on our Facebook page, and I'm very, very excited about it. But there is a series that, if you guys remember, I have talked about a comic series called Paper Girls. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I believe it's a Brian K. Vaughn. And uh, it's based on his and Cliff uh, Chang's, I believe, novel. And Amazon Studios is going to be creating oh. a, a television series. Ooh. Is it live action? Live action, baby. Whoa, boy. Amazon has been doing really good with mm. their comic book properties. Like yes. they're, they're taking some of them, who, which are kind of uh, interesting mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to something like The Boys, mm. and turning it into, yeah, kind of a, a, a filthy show, but at the same point- Well, still, The Boys was always filthy. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying, but also keeping it intriguing and still a very adult thing but at the same point, making it still a fun comic book show. Right, because some of the stuff, if you were to see it from page to screen, aren't as palatable. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> a very nice way to say it. But even Good Omens is was phenomenal because they just kind of, they were true to the story. They were tr- in the sense of, the feel of the story, I yeah. should say. Because, mm-hmm. you know, with television, you have to change things up. That was Absolutely. a fun show. Gotta love, and I love mm-hmm. David Tennant and anything. So, yeah, they, they made me happy <laughs> multiple David, ways David with that show. Tennant and, uh, is it Michael Sheen, I believe? I always yes. get him and Martin Sheen, like the names. Yeah, it's you. Michael. Yeah. Michael, like, they're like the best pairing. Like, a few episodes back, we were talking about, like, the best, like, duos. Yeah. Like, your ride or die, they are the best. Uh, both the characters and the actors. Uh, but the cool thing about this show, so if you don't know anything about Paper Girls, I very much recommend everyone to read it, except Joe. Okay. <laughs> because oh, yeah. guess what's in it? Time travel. Time travel. Oh, no! No, 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 no. It very much has a Stranger Things vibe because it's set in 1988, the morning after Halloween, when a group of, like, they're the only female paper delivery, you know, bicyclists, so Paper Girls. Uh, end up unwittingly caught in a conflict between warring factions of time travelers. Whoops. So it sends them on an adventure through time that will save the world. So they travel between their present to our present time, and then they encounter fu- where they encounter future versions of themselves, which they must choose to embrace or reject their fate. Because some some of them find out some not so great things about themselves and others find out things like oh i didn't know this about myself this is something i've kind of had brewing inside me now that i know this information i don't know what to do with it uh (laughs) i'm trying to be vague if you want to read them because i have them all if you want them yeah uh they go all the way back to prehistoric times they go into super future times and i think when i talked about that specific issue or trade they go into they have their own languages and there are people that are out there trying like they have translated them because there's no Ooh. translator. Uh, and it's not like there's like a secret code or anything like that, but oh. you don't know what they're saying. OK, well, yeah, not fair that, enough. Not yeah. that I have seen so far, I should say. But even like our future future time, like down the line, it kind of looks like English. But it's super like well, you don't understand. it. It's kind of like going back into olden times. Like yeah. you speak English. But with the ye old, you know, I oh, bite yeah. my thumb a- at the, I don't, what? Oh, yeah. And it gets even, like, worse. If you go further back and you just, I, somehow I managed to find some weird sort of, like, just language, I don't know, maybe a meme or something that was showing the differences, and you can't tell what they're saying. It's like, kids these days, and you don't understand what, you know, like, on fleek or whatever the hell they're saying nowadays. It is indecipherable what they're even yes. trying to get uh, their point across with. I know what these words individually and these letters mean, 
but none of this makes sense, which I thought was super brilliant and super just creative on their part. So if you haven't had a chance to read Paper Girls, I highly recommend it. I believe it's only like six trades. Uh, I think that's the last one. I have it. It's on my desk because recently <laughs> uh, I uh, we ended up in Tacoma, mm-hmm. uh, Tacoma, Washington, kind of where uh, the Rev lives. Yeah. Had a had a gin experience. We were trying some gins. But on the way back, I definitely wanted to stop by uh, Destiny City Comics. And I got I spent quite a bit of money. <laughs> oh, good job. Congratulations. Right, yeah, support like, that local comic I store. I need this. I need this. I need that. And I saw Paper Girls. I'm like, oh, my God, I need to read that. That should be top on my list because it's the last issue. And then we started talking about other comics and stuff. But one of the main reasons I'm excited is that one of my favorite comedians will be appearing in this. And I love that seeing that she's in more and more movies and shows and not just as like a version of herself. Okay. And if you guys never heard of Ali Wong. Oh, Ali Wong's amazing. She's going to be a part of this? Yes. She's going to be playing one of the girl's uh, future selves. Wow, that's amazing. She has two Netflix specials out for sure mm-hmm. that I know that I've seen that are just utterly fantastic. They're She's a brilliant mind. Hilarious. She is super intelligent. She is filthy. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, don't watch with your parents or your <laughs> or, children. I mean, if, if your parents are cool with that, go ahead and watch it with them. But it's uh, she is like eight <laughs> months pregnant in both her specials, like yeah. two, two years apart. And she's just hilarious. She tells it how it is and just... She's fantastic, but you might have seen her if you watch Birds of Prey. She had a small cameo in that as the girlfriend of the detective, the female detective. I'm blanking on her name right now. Um, but she played like the the ex-girlfriend, if you will, who sold out the, the cop girlfriend or ex-girlfriend. Uh, she's also been in Big Mouth as a voice, but she basically played herself as a child, like as a teenager. Uh, but I And she had a, a show or a movie, excuse me, on Netflix, Always Be Your Maybe, which is, you know, kind of like a rom-com, which I actually really liked. Oh. Like, uh, <laughs> oh, boy. It has, uh, it has one of my favorite people in it, <laughs> Keanu Reeves. He plays, oh, uh, he okay. plays Keanu Reeves. Like a we- oh, like a weirder yeah. version of Keanu Reeves. Oh, okay. so, he play- so he's playing himself, basically. Yeah, but even oh, nice. more out there. Like, Oh, that's cool. It's, it's a really good, if you like rom-coms or you're looking for oh, a rom-com. Oh, it's a rom-com, too. Yeah, All right. You know, you can check that one out. But Always be my maybe. We'll see if the wife is into that. I, no, I think it's pretty cute. Uh, so, like I said, Ali Wong is phenomenal. And at this point, do we know, like, any dates or anything? Or are they still just in the pre-production sort of thing? Uh, I think they're in the... I think I saw on IMDb that it says filming. Okay, so... I think so... they're currently in the filming. Uh, the only other actress that's, like, big known, because everyone's not well-known, which I really like, is an actress by the name of Adina Porter, who you might have seen in uh, The 100. She was Indra. She was in American Horror Story as... Chief Burleson. Okay. She's a few things. Ray Donovan. She was Vicky. Oh, okay. So if you've seen those, like she's probably the quote biggest name on here. Yeah, and I mean it's like with the main cast, they're all like twelve-year-olds. Yeah. So at this point in time, a lot of them are a relative unknown. So hopefully, this is their first foray and it's a successful one. Yep. I have high hopes for this. Yeah. Uh, I'm expecting it to be in the Stranger Things family, but great on its own. Mm-hmm. And until next time, guys, stay nerdy.